0: Hi, everyone. It's November 11th, 2019 at 9.33 p.m. in Bonn, Germany. This is Melinda Mack, and I'm coming at you with NIATEP on the Road with our special edition um, overseas in Germany as we join our fellow workforce colleagues from the state of Michigan for a special learning exchange with the government of Germany. It has been an awesome first day. It was a really packed first day, um, starting off before 9 a.m. down at the hotel, sort of getting ready for the beginning of our adventure, uh, figuring out what trains we needed to take, um, ending well after dinner time as we got back from our full day um, visiting with the German ministry. We have an incredible group of colleagues here with us. Um, From the state of New York, we have folks who represent manufacturers, folks who are deeply engaged with employers, We have workforce boards. We have apprenticeship experts um, from the state of Michigan. We have a similar set of professionals who not only are coming to learn, but also to share what they know, what their experiences are with the American apprenticeship uh, system in their state. So in addition to being able to share what we're learning um, with the country of Germany, we're also having this amazing experience sharing with our colleagues from Michigan. We will post or I will post um, all the names and bios of the folks who are with us on this trip um, in the blog section on the Workforce Buzz, so do check it out. But what I wanted to do today is to give you a sense before I head to bed of what we've learned, what we're trying to digest, where are some of the lessons that we think we can draw and bring back to the state of New York. So we actually had a really busy day. Um, As I shared, we uh, left from Bonn, which is, again, in the western part of Germany, um, Bonn and Cologne were sort of like this this in-between space uh, near Dusseldorf, uh, where there's a lot of government activity and government headquarters stationed outside of Berlin. And so we spent our first full day with the German Federal Ministry for Education and Research, um, as well as uh, something called GoVet, which is the German Office for International Cooperation and Vocational Education and Training. Um I think when we were sitting down, we thought, oh, this will be, you know, an hour, two hour meeting. We were there from 1030 in the morning until 430 p.m. Because we went deep, not only understanding, but having a real like back and forth and description of what's happening in our states, what's happening that's common or uncommon. Um, but also to hear some of what the German government is doing to export their apprenticeship model in places like Atlanta. So again, it was just a really interesting experience to not only understand the structure, but to understand sort of their way that they're scaling it. So a couple of just contextual things that I think are helpful or valuable for folks to understand about the way that the structure is here in the US, and I will sort of urge not the US in Germany, I will say that with a caveat, I think in reflection, this is not a model that can be fully exported. So I will say, as we're going through, this is how you pick and choose the pieces that we can raise up in our own system to better sort of emphasize or use as best practice, as we're implementing apprenticeship um, in New York and in Michigan. So A big shift or big difference is obviously the the structure and the structure of their education system in a place like Germany. So there is a general education system, much what we would think about as elementary, middle, and part of high school, where there's sort of a general education or education requirement that goes up to 16. When you hit the age of 16, in some ways you have sort of three options for choose your own adventure – One is vocational training, I think similar in our state to what you would do through um, adult and continuing ed, a BOCES program, a career tech ed type of experience. Um, On the other end is higher education, which is university, or as they were referring to it as gymnasium. The third is the dual vet, which is this combination of vocational training and higher education, most commonly known as their apprenticeship system the vast majority of of folks who go through that apprenticeship system are between the ages of 16 and 25. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see that it's this opportunity for young adults to really learn about occupations but also to deeply engage and be paid sort of similar to our apprenticeship model. But one of the things that I would say that's interesting is although it is a model that allows for some of this career exploration it is in some ways more rigid and also in some ways more flexible. So, for example, um, one of the questions that was asked today is, well, how do you make sure classes are filled when an employer needs a class, say, in May? And the response was, well, no, all classes start in August. And so their apprenticeship structure in some ways is similar to university structure when all enrollment happens at one point in the year. And sort of businesses are accustomed to planning for that sort of enrollment process. What was also really interesting is, we you know we did share some of the similarities but differences between how we help young adults explore careers. I think they were really impressed with some of the descriptions. Um, Luann described some of the big uh, ex- events that are used for career, career exploration, similar to what we have in our state, like Career Jam or Finger Lakes Works with Our Hands, which allows young adults to really directly experience, um, you know, what it's like to, to choose certain careers in. Germany, they're moving more towards an internship model. So when you're 15, 16, you would engage in a series of one or two-week internships in different sectors or industries to allow you to try out those different occupations before you decide which apprenticeship pathway, vocational training, or higher education you might pursue. It was pretty clear in that description, although I think it's a great idea, that there isn't a ton of counseling associated with that. So in many ways, you're you're actually truly choosing your own adventure. You, you may not have any guidance helping to direct you to a certain pathway. And so I thought that was just really interesting and, and a little bit different. Um, they do have, in many ways, a sort of a, a federal and, and state system similar to what we engage in um, with the U.S. Department of Labor and our State Department of Labor in New York. Um, a couple of things that just sort of outline in terms of structure. Their federal government truly sets the framework and policy. So I think the most analogous would be um, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act in the U.S., And sort of really their job is to not only provide really rigorous research and statistics, they also set the federal competency standards. And so there's a lot of direct engagement from the federal government with companies who do in-company training to help set those competency standards that regulate apprenticeship. Um, They also do things and they're sort of in the the process of setting policy associated with flexibility for part-time internships, which is not something that they typically do right now. But in addition to that, they're also looking to set a minimum wage. And so one of the things that was interesting to learn is there is some variability currently in a place like Germany about how much you might get paid if you are in a, a different apprenticeship. So an example they gave is someone who'd be in an apprenticeship to be a hairdresser, which is a really popular occupation um, in the country, they, are, they would have a very limited or minimum wage whereas a person who might be going into mechatronics would have a much higher apprenticeship wage. And so they wanted to start to standardize that wage so that they could raise the floor to create more quality opportunities for young adults. So I thought that was really interesting. At the state level, or the Lander, which are the different regions of of Germany, those states are responsible for regional vocational training and they pay for it out of their state budgets. Um, they're regional training centers. They're fully accessible by companies who'd like to go on site and train their employees in the latest and greatest equipment. But also, what I thought was really interesting is in some ways, like they are connected to the federal government, but we're not entirely sure exactly how just yet. So, tomorrow we're actually going to visit one of those regional training centers. So I think we'll get a better sense around what that connection is between a state-operated training versus some of the federal standards that they're rolling out at the national level. Um, a couple of other just really big pieces that came out, which I just was like throw, like absolutely floored by, they put billions of dollars into the system. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. And so one of my biggest takeaways was just how much this investment undergirds their economic structure, and so I think we had saw we saw numbers that were close to, you know, six billion dollars for the government and then an additional six billion dollars from employers. It is a massive investment. Um, but what was really interesting is when you when you were talking to the folks who worked at the German Ministry, they really didn't understand why that would even be a question. I think they had so. Much been accustomed to the fact that this is just something we do, it's the right thing to do to make sure we're, our economy stays stable, um, that investment seemed rational and something that you would always always do. So I think the, the flip side of that, which we, they sort of referred to us and described to us as, you know, listen, we've been doing this since the Middle Ages in terms of workforce development and apprenticeship, that businesses are really deeply bought in. And in a way that I I hope in my lifetime we see in a place like New York, I think we can get there. Um, but 70% of the resources that are going to apprenticeship are coming from companies, and 30% goes in by the vet or the vocational education and training. It's, that's incredible. And so when we, we're asking questions like, well, who pays for the training? Like, well, of course, the employers do. Well, who pays for the related instruction? Well, of course, the employers do. Who pays for supportive services? Well, of course the employers do. And then we got to well, what does the vet pay for? They're like, oh, for the research, for the competencies, for um, you know, helping uh helping like cover some additional costs related to regulation. It was it was really surprising to sort of see the difference and the, the type of investment that employers were making. If you hear me say it once on this trip, you'll probably hear me say it a hundred times. The amount of that they've discussed that this is truly business-driven or demand-driven was, it was crazy. It was almost every other word. Like, we do this because it's driven by industry. The number of apprenticeship slots we offer each year is 100% dictated by industry. So it was really interesting to see just the difference between seeing something that we talk about often about demand-driven and just how truly business-oriented the system is. On the flip side, I will say, as we were reflecting as a group at the end of the day, I do think in the US, we do a much better job of better integrating, air quotes here, special populations. So individuals who might not typically be accessing the labor market. So individuals with disabilities, people who are formerly incarcerated, refugees. um, I think the refugee piece they're working on because of the politics in Europe. But when we ask very explicit questions about individuals with disabilities, they really sort of danced around their ability to actually respond to that. And so I think they haven't quite figured out the balance between being completely business-driven, but also addressing some of the market inefficiencies and in getting potential talent into the labor market. Um, the second piece that I thought was really um, interesting is vocational the VET or the Vocational Education and Training um, Agency is incredibly well-resourced. And so they have many pronged functions and it's very driven by data. Um, I will actually post again in, in the blog some of the links to some of the reports and some of the websites that we can go to. They are in German and in English. So for those of you who are, who are brushed up on your German, feel free to read along. But for those who are not as competent in German like I am, go ahead and ch- check out the English version. But it, they've really been able to sort of nail down return on investment for these models, um, and again, by, by industry or sector, because some um, sectors require a bigger investment, therefore it takes longer to get that return. They have a lot of information and data about required volume of work by qualifications, demographics, um, I, I was really impressed, um, but also impressed at the scale and scope of what they manage. So for example, about 531,000, over a half a million, Individual training contracts, that means an apprentice signing on with an employer, were done in 2018 um, with the vast majority being in skilled trades, um, industry and trade. So really thinking again about um, mechatronics, manufacturing, um, professional titles. So they talked about banking quite a bit, some scientific professions agriculture. But again, they have a full set of apprenticeship here that is just so different than what we do in the States. A really good example, and hopefully I'll be able to grab her tomorrow, um, the young woman who is working at the front desk at our hotel is currently a German apprentice. And so she's going through an apprenticeship model where she's actually earning around 500 euro for her participation in a 40-hour work week, um, as well as getting her education associated with that. So again, it's just, it's a really different way or a different structure. Um, What I also thought was really interesting is not only is the vet highly regarded, the people who do the vocational education and training are highly regarded. And so they actually have an infrastructure where they create master trainers where they're certified. Um, And for me, it was a moment of reflection thinking, is this an opportunity for us to really think about the workforce that's nearing retirement age or retiring and bringing folks back in? as they're retired with an additional stipend or something else to be able to create master trainers who can actually teach their trade or profession to the next generation of workers. And so I just thought it was really interesting that they've really created that as a prestigious role or position um, in their infrastructure um, here in Germany. Um, Again, because it's so business driven, I think one of the things that I found really interesting is when we'd ask about specific trades or occupations, there was a lot of this, well, it depends. And it was a well, it depends, because they have really tried to build flexibility into the infrastructure. So there is variability in the amount of time it would take to be an apprentice, depending on what occupation you're in. Um, They also have a five-to-one ratio of number of apprentices to a journeyman uh, for training purposes. And so what was really interesting is some of the debate in the room where we have a one-to-one ratio in our state And how that might work for the building trades, where it's really important that for safety reasons, but it might be different for IT. And so I thought it was really interesting that that is an average, the ratio. It depends on what the occupation is. Um, As I said before, right now, the minimum wage that an apprentice gets gets is is, um, sort of shifts and changes depending on what the occupation is, the amount of classroom time, whether you do your classroom up front or go right to on the job. So again, I thought that was a really interesting and different way of working. What was also really interesting, and our colleague Luann from Michigan pointed it out, they consistently used, meaning the German government, the words cooperation versus collaboration. And for us, I think it struck us as a a difference between working alongside each other as collaborators versus cooperatively coming to to agreement and how you're going to move a system forward. And so there was one point in the presentation in the morning where the German ministry was describing the sort of three-legged stool of the employer space, the teachers, so the academic folks who would do curriculum development, um, along with the government having to agree to move ahead on any new titles, modifications on a curriculum. And we said, well, doesn't, if it's business driven, doesn't the business win out? And they said, oh no, it has to be a joint cooperative agreement. If they cannot come to agreement, we do not move ahead. So again, it was this idea that folks were in it together versus one sector versus the other um, really winning out. Um, I'm trying to look through to see if there's anything else I wanted to share with you guys before we, before I head to bed for the the day tomorrow. Um, Oh, one other thing I wanted to, to mention. Um, they were, the German government was very interested in understanding career and tech education because they going back to this concept that there was, um, you know, in some ways they haven't quite figured out the career exploration piece and how they help advise students and young adults. Um, and so they were very interested in us helping them understand or describe career and tech ed. But what was also really interesting is they have a full unit that's just devoted to marketing, a full unit. So if we go back to look at some of the work NITEP did a couple of years ago talking to employers, in many ways the apprenticeship system isn't broken in our state. Just not a lot of people know about it or understand the value of the implementation of it. And so I think the marketing piece has been a huge issue or a huge investment on their behalf, so much so that they have a full team who just supports delegations of actually exporting this model to other countries. Um, When folks were describing sort of what territories they covered, um, one of the, the women in the group who was part of the German ministry, she oversees the US and South Africa, but formerly worked in India. And again, it was all around exporting the German model on behalf of German companies. To America or to other places. So for example, as I described earlier, they currently are working in partnership with the German American Chamber in Atlanta to roll out some um, German-based apprenticeship models with existing German companies. So again, just something that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention as we go back to those vocational training centers, and I'm sure those will come up again tomorrow, um, the Chambers of Commerce, I think they just operate differently in Germany than they operate in the States. Um, it sounds like the Chambers of Commerce are directly responsible for supporting and um, sort of coordinating and cooperating with those vocational training centers and regions. And so again, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that tomorrow and really understanding what exactly that connection is, who's sort of driving the bus here and making sure that industry is being responded to, that they're recruiting uh, individuals and employees, et cetera. That being said, although all of this has been really great, and we've learned a ton, it's by no means perfect. Um, as I said before, there's definitely still a number of issues I think they're trying to work through. Um, as I described before, um, there's, they still have a lot of work to do, I think, on recruiting special populations, There was some discussion over lunch about serving refugees. Um, Germany is a country that has seen an incredible influx of refugees from Syria and other Middle Eastern countries. And there's been some serious political issues associated with that. And so they're they're looking to be responsive through the the GoVet system to make sure folks can access things like apprenticeship to good paying jobs. Um, What I thought was interesting in response to that is they have trainers who are dual language but not necessarily dual language in German. They're trainers who are dual language in the language that they're trying to train the trainees in. And so if you're coming here from Syria, they'd be working to get a Syrian-speaking trainer to be able to train in disciplines. And so, again, they are trying to be creative and doing things that I think we can learn from. Um, I think there also is, um, again, I think there there's a little bit... Um, of a challenge just generally around some of the same occupations that we struggle with. So for example, they had mentioned hairdressing, IT, really sexy occupations for young adults. They still struggle with many of the same occupations that we struggle with in terms of filling many of those roles and responsibilities. Um, They are also struggling with their ability to quickly turn around occupations and occupational job titles. So we were asking questions about the length of time, does it take to update a title, you know, automation, technology, still taking them a year, year and a half to do those updates. So they aren't able to sort of do a quick turnaround. And I think that's something that, as we talked more towards the end of the day about the future of work, they're really worried about, sort of similar to how we're worried and concerned about our ability to be responsive. So again, it was it was a really interesting day. We I think we all learned quite a bit, and it truly I think will set the foundation for many of our conversations over the rest of, over the rest of the week. So tomorrow, to give you a sense of what's in store, um, we are actually spending the morning with the Institute of Labor Economics, and so spending some time understanding how youth apprenticeship protects against youth unemployment, in particular during a recession. One big difference we saw is that youth unemployment rates in Germany are around 6%. So again, if you think about our state and sort of nationally, where youth unemployment hovers in the double digits, this really has protected young adults um, from their inability to access employment. Um, for the rest of the trip, we have some specific meetings with employers. We're going to be meeting with the job center. We're going to be going to a vocational, um, a vocationally oriented regional training center. We're going to meet with the digital hub. So we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up over the next couple of days. So again, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you bearing with me as I figure out this podcasting thing and the right cadence. Um, but again, we're learning a ton and, and we're so pleased that you're willing to learn and, in, in, um, allow us to share this with you. Again, go to the links that are in the blog post so you can download as much as the material that I've received. I've got a ton of stuff that I'm bringing back home. Um, Hopefully I can scan some of it in or ask for some additional copies um, as we move along. So with that, thank you and we'll see you tomorrow.